Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Welcome to the Lennon Courtney archive podcast collection. We decided that this is your favourite, so here we go. Enjoy this blast from the past. This week we've got a very special guest that is pure deadly, Ms. Angeline Ball. You can catch her in cinemas right now starring in the new Irish comedy Deadly Cuts, one of the best films I've seen in years. High praise indeed, Brendan. In this episode, we spoke to Angeline about her long career on stage and screen, her love of music from the start in Billy Barry to the commitments, EastEnders and beyond. Lights, camera, uh, podcast. Welcome Angeline Ball to the Land and Courtney podcast, Pearls of Wisdom. Angeline Ball, how are you? I'm really good. You know, this is kind of my favourite time of year as well. I love Halloween and I love that smell. It reminds me of the Phoenix Park, even though I'm in London. I love the smell of the leaves and I love that kind of, it's not too cold, but it's bordering on getting cold and the dark nights and you light the candles and the fire and all. So I'm great. I'm really good. (laughs) It's it's cozy time. Yeah. It's wrap it up, get it up, get all the jumpers out, you know. So, so uh, we reconnected. We've 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 met many times, but I um, and I Instagram story. I went on my own to the cinema last week. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I ended up just I, I was here and, and and somebody Adam wasn't available, and I said I'm going because I really want to see this, and I mm. went to see Deadly Cuts, and I absolutely loved it. Didn't I, Sonia? I just went on and on and on and on about it. I couldn't. I was like, like one of those crazy people on their own in the cinema, banging the seat arms beside me, laughing and squealing. It's great. Congratulations. Now, the only reason I'm not saying I I love it is because I haven't seen it yet, but I will see it. And as myself and Brandon share pretty much word for word, a sense of humor, I'm sure I love it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones that when I read it, I just said, like, I have to be in this. I have to do it, you know, and, you know, it was a tough enough shoot. It was six weeks. And, um, you know, we had you can tell, I think, Brendan, we had such a laugh making it that at times we thought, oh, my God, we're never going to be able to get through this because it was just I mean, the girls are amazing. Lauren Larkin, Erica Rowe, Shauna Higgins. Um, then you've got all the boys. You've got TK be like Thomas Cameron is a howl um, and Ian Anderson, uh, Ian Lloyd Anderson and Lloyd Cooney, just great. And Aidan McArdle, you know, he's mm. amazing. So yeah. it was just great fun. And like we had a great laugh, you know, when we were looking at each other's costumes and all that, we'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> and especially um, Rory Nolan's costume in it for the judge. I think yeah. that was slightly loosely based on. Uh, stars in their eyes. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But full disclosure, so my I grew up in a hairdressing salon. My mother was a hairdresser. I was washing hair at 11 and I host a couple of colour trophy awards every year. Right? Oh. So there's so much in that movie that touch, touch points for me. My mother's oh. salon was over butcher shop in Crumlin. It was real local community. It was more of a community centre than anything else. Absolutely. And then and grow up and, and I end up hosting two or three colour trophies a year. And they are, hopefully they'll be back this year. And because Christmas is the busiest time in hairdressing, they are mental. Like oh God, I can time. imagine. I can yeah. imagine, you know, um, me too. Like you'd always go to the hairdressers with your mom and you'd be waiting there when they had lino, you know, the local <laughs> ones. 
<laughs> and you'd be waiting there for ages. And then somebody would come in with, I, I always say it like a bag of dolls for Christmas, you know, that possibly <laughs> fell off the back of the lorry or they just, they weren't glued right. The reject dolls, you know, so you'd yeah, be getting yeah. them for much cheaper. You'd be delighted. Both eyes were going in different directions. like <laughs> <laughs> Or no eyelashes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was always such a lovely place. And like years ago, again, they'd have the calicosin gas in there. You know, you'd be going yeah. to sleep with the fumes. <laughs> but it is that lovely. Um, they hear all the news, anything that's going on in the area, anything that's, you know, whatever happened, who did what. You know, it's like the kind of psych- local psychologist with, with, with the perk of getting your hair done. And yeah. now probably nails and some beds and all that, you know. It yeah. just made me remember the Caller Housewife of the Year competition. That and was what a did massive. They get? Did they get like a year's supply they of Caller? Got a brand heater. new brush or something? No, no, they actually got a brand new cooker, and it was coming out on the stage. Well, they'd be thrown out of it nowadays with the whole woke thing. Yeah, they'd have yeah. to say the Caller hosted person it. of the year. Wouldn't they? <laughs> I remember Gayburn hosted. So it would have been late seventies into the eighties, early eighties, wasn't it? And oh yeah, you, you can watch it on YouTube. It's well worth the gander. My God, but they God. should do Caller Carer of the Year. They That's should a holiday. Really. You in a that one's for free, Keller. Absolutely. <laughs> and have they still got the lovely, um, you know, uh, what is it, Delir Street? They had the lovely, they used to have the lovely kind of um, the gas the shop building. front. The gas yeah. building's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's like stunning. almost, is it Art Deco? Mm-hmm. And I had that beautiful, and then you'd see the big fireplaces in the window that you couldn't afford, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it was really those were the days. And I think, do you know what's great about this? That even if, you know, with the pandemic and all, some people are still afraid to go into town, get the, you know, the tram or whatever, the Lewis in, that they would be going to their locals now and giving them a bit of business for Christmas. It could yeah. be a new thing, you know? So you had a, you've had a great reaction to the movie, haven't yeah. you? It's been unbelievable. Really it's been great. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's just wonderful anyway. So congratulations. Thank but it was you. really, you're just such an interesting Irish woman, first of all. And, you know, you have this effervescence about you, I think, that comes off the screen. And even now you have an enthusiasm and a kind of a, a joie de vivre that's in- infectious. It's really lovely. Oh, and I, I actually text you after the film, going, the, your performance is really, 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 really good. I've totally bought her, uh, but there, it's she still has this hope and joy that I think is your personality. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think, um, to be honest with you, um, a bit like yourself, Brendan, like growing up, uh, I always think Crumlin's a bit like the Southside Cabra was considered. <laughs> yeah, was yeah it? spot on. But um, I think growing up there, making the best of what you've got. And it, I have that old kind of adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, really. Um, and unless something absolutely floors you, you've got to just keep getting back up and, you know, I mean, so funnily enough, I spoke to somebody yesterday and she was saying to me, you know, none of us are getting out of here alive. So what would be the point in almost living your life trudging through treacle? You've got to make it the best you can possibly make it. And I'm not saying that I'm always, you know, joyous and, and jubilant. I mean, I've had a lot of things that happen to me in life, but I think it's how it's again, it's not the things that happen to you. It's how you deal with them. So, and I'm, you know, I think that that's what's kind of um, and I do feel I don't feel I'm not even going to say my age, but I don't feel my age. I think I feel much younger. And I think that's probably what gets me through it. You know, I'm just wondering um, and you can tell me to shut up if this isn't an appropriate question. Um, You know, you're such a beauty. You've always been such a beautiful woman. I I can only imagine that that um, shaped your life. 
because I, you know, I, I know some really truly beautiful people and, and it is, you know, a part of your identity and it's part of how the world responds to you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's completely fair. I think, you know, when I was younger, um, youth, youth is wasted on the youth. You know, when I was younger, I would have always kind of looked, you look, look at the flaws then, you know, the, the positives that you might have to offer. But I think um, personally, I feel that I almost had to work harder to prove myself, that I wasn't just um, there for the, you know, the dare I say tits and ass that's in them but you know that I wasn't and I'm more of an actor than that so in a way it's been a a bit of a struggle that I had to kind of prove my acting chops but as well as that um, I do find sometimes that like uh, the public in general if you kind of being considered um, now I'm not saying this egotistical and I'm, I'm not blowing my own trumpet or anything but if you've been considered good looking or you know a beauty or whatever that's very hard and um, the public can be very hard on you as you get older it's and very hard thing to that's up really, to or they might be very judgmental yeah, yeah. and and that's really where yeah. I'm going to to with this question Angeline is that you know it it, it, it takes on a different importance as, as a woman as you age you know and and yeah. and I suppose I'd love personally to know what your approach to that has been and your philosophy around that, because I think everybody has their own way of of dealing with that age in general, but particularly when when, you know, you're recognized for your physical beauty. Yeah, um, I have other things in my life that I do, which actually kind of balance it out. Like I, you know, I love yoga and I do Pilates and I'm a teacher in both now because I kind of took myself away from, and also when you're resting as an actress, you know, you're not always working. It's a nice thing to do because I had to go back and I had to study. Um, And I left school at 15, you know. So for me, it felt really grand for me to go back and study anatomy and physiology. But, you know, I mean, it is a very interesting question, Sonia. I think it's a very personal thing. I mean, there's a lot of women that can kind of jump on the bandwagon and think that they have to look younger. Um, I think, you know, as I said before, youth is wasted on the youth. I would never, I wouldn't swap the knowledge that I have and the confidence that I have in myself. And yeah, I'm not a size eight anymore, but who cares? Like, you know, I mean, what I've experienced and what I've learned through life is that it's all about self-acceptance, you know, and I don't like, I wouldn't really depend on anybody anymore um, to validate me. I, I validate myself. Um, so, Angeline, you have so many pearls of wisdom, personally, professionally, um, that I want to hear about. But let's take a quick break and we'll find out afterwards. And we're back. So you were delving gently into your own personal pearls of wisdom around self-acceptance. When did that sort of happen to you or who was the inspiration or can you remember a time in your life when you kind of felt I don't need anybody else to tell me I'm okay? Well, to be honest with you, I think it was after I had my children, really. I think all through my 20s, it's it's about trying to succeed in something or trying to do something. And I think, to be honest with you, I lost my dad when I was quite young. And I think I always was trying to seek that validation. But I think after having my own children and, you know, realizing that they're still not they're not dead yet, (laughs) 
But, you know, look, I'm able to look after them. I'm able to give them. I'm able to pass them on, again, pearls of my wisdom that I am enough, you know. And it takes, I do think that's something that you can't just put on. I think it's learned. And I think it's learned by life's up and ups and downs as well, you know. And I think, you know, the, the great thing for me um, about aging is that you earn uh, the right to own your own experience and your own wisdom in a way that somebody younger simply cannot do because you've lived it. <laughs> so you can yeah. read all the books you want. Um, but actually, and um, you know, I, I turned 50 a couple of years ago and that felt like a sort of a Rubicon crossed where you, you spend 50 years putting all the pieces together. And the way I kind of felt was like, okay, the next 50 are about applying and growing and doing the most I can with, with what I've got now. So yeah, it's interesting. It's like a, it's it's a real perspective thing. Age, you know, you can you can make it about the positive, or you can make it about the negative. The the challenge, unfortunately, is everybody else. <laughs> well, that's the yeah, that's the problem is that it's everybody else's um, perspective of you. And as as we talked about earlier, like that, because I'm in the public eye and I'm an actress, and it's almost like that you can't go out and rush into Marks and Spencers and buy some underwear if you're in a hotel in Dublin and you forgot some stuff. You almost feel well before. I think I would have um, felt that I had to dress up a little to go in there in case anybody saw me you know but now you know even it's a funny thing like in your 20s I used to wear like pan stick makeup you know that really mm. oh yeah <laughs> oh my god I mean it was like it was like um grease paint and now I don't even wear um foundation and you wear a bit of I'm like my mom really my mom used to wear like a bit of powder and lipstick and so you do kind of maybe you just get used to your own face or you just you know you think well I think, you know, there's that other great thing of like what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. So I try to apply that as well. (laughs) But I think when you're younger, you do think, right? And I remember saying when I was about 24, sort of peeling myself into a pair of white tight jeans or something. I can't wait to not care. And I think when you're younger and you're walking down the street and you have to remember that for young people as well, bless them, that you are really self-conscious that everyone's looking at you. And the only experience teaches that people aren't looking past their own noses. They're not, I know. And at worst, you're, you're a piece of gossip, but then they go home, feed their kids and go to bed. So it's great learning that people actually don't care really yeah, and it's not all about you you know not all about you hon because you know my, my poor daughter like is 18 and she's beautiful and she te- she told me a few times now that if she's walking towards like not a gang of teenagers but say people similar to her age she gets major anxiety just kind of walking by them and I said Mm. why they're they're not even minding you but I guess you're right it's just an age thing do you know I can really relate to her but what you said is like no I remember remember going out and you'd walk into the sitting room and you'd say do I look okay particularly my sisters my mother would say sure he'll be looking at you Well, you know, a couple of people have been looking at me. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. So I was what was the point in being go- going out? Yeah, I know. So you're right. So those that, that that's a lovely parallelism. So you think I have to ask you both with teenage kids and sort of growing into adults. Um, do you think it's easier for them to have this wisdom earlier on that we had to learn, or is it harder? I'm going to ask you both that, Angelina. Uh-huh. Go first. Well. 
Asanya, you go first. I mean, what, what, how, how old are your children? And like, my, I have like? two, I have a 16 year old boy and a 16 year old girl. Oh, uh, right. Okay. So as I always say, I, I home grew my own anthropological experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I think, I, I think there is a process involved in growing up and that means that a certain at a certain point in time you only see things in black and white you mm-hmm. and as you grow you you learn how many shades of gray are in between yeah. um, and I remember being absolutely righteous about certain things as a kid um, which you know since I've lived I, I understand that it's it's not that simple things are more complex but you don't have that sort of nuance as a kid so you and 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 nobody can tell you until you find it yourself I think absolutely I agree with you you know I I always have these and they're true stories but I used to think my mother was lying to me when she'd say things like <laughs> oh I had that before and I went down there and that's what happened to me and I'd be like she, everything happens to her in my head you know <laughs> and, and you know I'm I'm saying that to, to my children now you know and I go believe me you know it actually happened to me and they're just looking at me but the, the interesting thing is my daughter's 18 and my son is 12 and just when I'm getting out the out of the she wasn't really a terrible teen. My daughter, bless her, is more like Safi from Abfab. <laughs> and I'm like the Abfab mother, <laughs> you know? And she's always telling me, like, things are not appropriate, you know? Because it's not what I'm wearing or anything. It's just, you know, if I'm walking down the market in Hackney and I hear that lovely reggae beat, I want to kind of shake my booty. And she's yeah. like, mom. <laughs> and uh, so, and I kind of worry then that I've, not that I've overshadowed her, but I even say like, would you not go out and have a few drinks? You know, <laughs> but you know Sharon Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne had a great line, which is your children are going to be embarrassed about you. You might as well make it worth their while. Oh my God. Yeah, that's true. That's, I must, I must take that one. And yeah, but she's, she's great. And then like, she's going off to college soon, university. So I'm kind of hoping that she has a great experience. Um, and my son now is 12 and I can just see that little turn in him that he's starting to rail against his mother. And, you know, apparently it's a kind of, um, it's almost harks back to caveman days is that, yeah. you know, they, they, it's the push-pull situation, but they have to kind of reject you in order. Well, they, to- they have to kind of tear tear the womb away from them, you know. Yeah, they do. My man, and actually, the best piece of advice I ever got was just because your son, and it does for me, you know, I think it's it, it is more a, a son thing. Yeah. Uh, just because your son is an asshole within your own four walls doesn't mean he's an asshole outside of them, you know. And I think the worry as a mother is, oh my god. That is amazing. Yeah, sorry. And I think that's true. You know, if, if, you're, if your son gets re-invited to play dates and people want to be around him outside of his home, yeah. that's all you need to worry about. Well, well I that, keep joking that... on my mother's apron strings. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That, that is absolutely true because sometimes I'm ra- raging on in the car about like women's rights and all that to him, you know, hoping that he'll grow up. Well, you know, hoping he'll grow up absolutely respecting women and all that. And then, you know, sometimes he might shout, not shout at me, but say, I don't want it or whatever. Like, oh my God, he's going to grow up to be a male chauvinist pig. But <laughs> you're right. If, if they're, you know, if they're invited back and people say they're good and they're well behaved. As I said, I just think he's kind of, he's trying to tear himself away from me at the moment. He's just doing his job and just some of them are better at it than others. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
I wrote a line the other day about my mother as a son and I, it's the opening. I'm, I'm trying to scribble a book about her because she's just hilarious. And it's really, uh, I suppose that's what's really informed these chats really is that her choices were so limited, you know? And yeah. I said, I wrote, the opening line is my mother uses guilt like a blunt instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it. My God. She does. I don't mind me. I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah. um, women that back then had so few choices and your daughters now have so much more choices yeah, and opportunity. Yeah. What like, and you're the women who are bridging that gap between an awareness of what went before and how little choice there was for women to the woke generation of the future. Thank God. And they nearly shouldn't look back sometimes, but they need to be aware because the sisters are still fighting around the world for equal rights yeah. and for b- body rights and all this kind of thing. So how do you pass on your pearls of wisdom to your daughters? Do you tell them what used to be before? Do you tell them what Ireland was like in the 70s, 80s growing well, up? Well, yeah, you absolutely. You know, and I, t- I tell my daughter, probably I fill, them, fill her with horror stories, but, you know, and she doesn't believe they're true. And I say they were. And, you know, things like uh, the Magdalene laundries and, you know, stuff like that. And I said, you know, that wasn't many, many years ago. That was, you know, the last one was closed in something like 1992 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's it's sometimes they don't believe me. Well, my son always says way back in 1995 and I'm going, my God, I must have been about what age was I then? You know, so I think with with my children, I would tell them stuff maybe that my mother had taught me and, and how they had to kind of get by in life. And that exactly we're kind of bridging this gap. But what I do try and instill in them mostly is, you know, to have a bit of common sense and kindness and also to not take things for granted, because you're right, Brendan, like uh, there's a lot of women all around the world that are fighting every day to just be women. And uh, I think it's very important that you just don't like because we lived in such a kind of privileged society that you don't just take it for granted and that if you can to try and do something else for somebody else. Absolutely. Because this stuff is fragile, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, music has been such a big part of your life. And I suppose it's through music that we were first introduced to to you and your work. You've come back to it. I have. I I don't think I've ever left it. It's never left me. You know, I've been singing since I was about three. I have tapes of myself singing. (laughs) And yeah. And John Jett and the Rockets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, We used to sing Elvis Presley songs, actually. Yeah. Oh, baby, let me be your loving teddy bear. And my sister would do the backing vocals. Up banana, up banana. So we used to sing up banana. (laughs) But... um, yeah, no, my mum used to tape us and my dad played uh, the organ. So we had like a, a Hammond organ at home. So Amazing. Have that. So it's, and his brothers played, um, one of his brothers played in a, a band and then he was also like a dep for loads of other bands around Dublin and he played Hawaiian guitar. Wow. So there was lots of music in the family. Um, and I was always singing. And I guess to be, you know, to be fair, it was the singing that got me where I am, even into acting. You know, you're right. But um, it's always been there for me. It's been a bit of a pipe dream just to make an album. And I guess I'm old fashioned in that way that I would love to make, you know, the LPs that you open mm. it and you see all that artwork and beautiful, you know, um, a proper kind of LP, basically. And that's what I want to do. And so I just kind of was testing the water just before COVID there uh, and put out a couple of singles. And I have like, say, 10 waiting. 
but they just need, I just want to tweak them a bit more. And then I think maybe early next year, I'm going to put out an EP first, like three Ooh, songs. Congratulations. Yeah, Exciting. And um, yeah, thanks. And just test the toe in the waters. But if I'm honest with you, if I just was able to hand one to each of my kids, I'd be satisfied and said, look, there's my album, you know, because I think, again, it harps back to my dad's side of the family being musicians. And there's like on my mother's side, there's Shano singers, um, my cousin's Amazing. Uh, gigs a lot all on the West Coast. Um, I found out that on my dad's side just recently that uh, through, of course, Instagram and somebody who's, who's done their genealogy that I have like. I, I don't know what it is. It's my grandmother's brother's great grandchild, but we're, we're related anyway. And he is a wonderful flute pe- player called Alan Doherty, and he plays with um, Damien Dempsey. And wow. his dad plays with Christy Moore. So I, you know, the last time I was in Dublin, I went and visited him, and I said, "Oh my God!" And he works out of this um, beautiful studio up near the mountains and I think it's a Gaelic house actually there's like a whole kind of Gaelic community there and I would love to go in there I'm threatening to go in there now and do a couple of numbers as well with him and and can I ask you then with a rich wonderful uh, life and career already behind you never mind what's to come (laughs) is there something that needs to be said in that album is there is there a message or a theme I think, you know, it's the classic theme of love, broken hearts. Um, There's a song I wrote to my dad who passed away when I was 12. My mum has dementia. Uh, She's had it for like seven years now. Uh, Well, she's had it longer, but she's been in a nursing home for seven years. So I wrote a beautiful little song for her. Oh. Um, Yeah. So I just, um, I guess... It is slightly kind of um, about my life, but at the same time, I'm using a little bit of poetic license, you know? Yeah. And also I love, um, I love singers like, I love Bonnie Raitt and I love um, that kind of slide guitar, uh, folk, blues, rock. So I like incorporating all that. So I have a couple of numbers that, please don't believe me, they're not my life. You know, it's, you know, about being a bit raucous and sexy and having a lot of lovers. So that obviously is poetic license, you know? (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) Well, yes. And on that note, we move quickly along. Um, We we can't let you go without um, giving the mic to our wonderful producer, producer Esther, for Esther's question. This is the question out of everything you've done. Sometimes when I walk home from town, I go the scenic route and I go up through Francis Street, down Liberty College, up Francis Street, down Meath Street into the Liberties. There's a beauty salon there called, and you will know it. I know it. The Glamour Pit, which every time I see it, it makes me laugh because it's such a funny name. The Glamour Pit. And I I read online that you actually did a day's kind of training in the Glamour Pit in preparation for a deadly cut. So what is it like inside the beast of the Glamour Pit? Again, it's, you know, what Brendan said earlier, it's like that hub of activity. I mean, like the door just kept opening and opening and people were coming in. They'd sit down with their plastic bags from, you know, Mead Street or Thomas Street after buying their stuff on the Saturday and stay there for a bit, listen to the chat and then walk out. And you're like, oh, they didn't get their nails done. But the girls in there are absolutely amazing. And it's a big shout out to Michelle and all the girls in the Glamour Pit because they are just, and funnily enough, 
uh, Brendan, there you go. The the girl, the, the owner of the Glamour Pit is called Michelle. And Rachel Carey, the director writer, spent a lot of time in there getting her nails done with the girls. So there you go. But they were absolutely, they're the salt of the earth, real Dubliners, you know. I did not know that you did that. And across the road from that is that sort of hipster pub that yeah. has a pizza truck Luckies. at the back. Yeah. Luckies. And myself and Adam discovered it because you can bring the dog. And one Saturday afternoon, pre-COVID, myself and Adam and our dog, Nancy Drew, went on the lash with Michelle and one of the other girls from oh that Oh, my salon. God. The best crack ever. Aren't Isn't that they, funny? Isn't that I, funny? And did, did you ever meet the mother? Their mother is incredible. No, because they dumped us for two fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Their mother works in the bullring across the road. Oh, it used to be the bullring. Fantastic. And uh, I met the girl. Would you believe then even uh, it just so happened that I had like I was saying, I'm not going to Ireland for Christmas one year. And they said, will you go to Tenerife? And I said, OK, I'll go to Tenerife. So we I met them in Tenerife <laughs> <laughs> at the Hard Rock uh, Cafe Hotel. And Amazing. we had a great night. And they're just the best, best. Yeah, they, they came to the you. premiere there the uh, other week and I saw them. I love them so much. Amazing. Um, oh, that's amazing. And it's wonderful. And, you know, they're they're just they're always there. They're saying, come down, you know, and every time I, I come to Dublin, I, I do try and get in and see them because I love them. But I have to check out that pub as well, Brendan. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Nancy great. Drew, hey, what a, uh, what a name. I love it. Our little it. baby, yeah, our little doggy. Yeah, but it's I wonder, friendly. Angeline, is an appointment in the Glamour Pit called a Glamour Pit Stop? <laughs> do you know what the girl I'm going to say that to the girls they'll have to do that totally thanks oh. to you now they've, they've got it all instead or what what about even instead of a Santa stop have a glamour pit stop totally there you go, there you, go you see they're going to be out the door I know but you know what we'll have to do now when I come home now for Christmas which I will be we'll all we'll have to all Brilliant. go up to the glamour pit amen and and drag idea. the girls over to the pub to and then have a piece amen yeah. great yeah. idea you're Great, on you're absolutely on. 100%. Thank you. So up to your eyes, out the door, non-stop. She never stops. And now you have an <laughs> RTE drama coming as well. I know. It's amazing. It's like as if I've been back to back non-stop working, but that's not the way it happens in the <laughs> magic of cine world and, and TV world. Yeah, I I, I did this, um, I did this uh, show called Acceptable Risk in 2017 I don't know whether uh, you remember it on RTE and it was a kind of a a, it was supposed to look like a bit like a Scandi noir drama Uh, it was a Canadian Irish production and I played this cop in it called Emer Byrne and you know I really wanted to make her kind of ambiguous so you wouldn't know like she was very um dowdy and the first thing that RTE was saying to me is like no she's not glamorous she's not glamorous and I was like that's even better you know so I had like a Colombo um duffel coat on me and I had about four jackets and it was like and they were watching the rushes like saying that's too much lipstick in that scene you know I was like my god but um I think the fact that she she's just this kind of quiet cop that does her job, searches for the truth and gets on with it, that they they loved my performance. So they decided to write this series for me, which is 
is absolutely like who wouldn't love that you know amazing and I was really really honored to be honest with you and now this time there's a Belgian uh, influence in there so it's a Belgian Canadian Irish production and Emer has left the police and now she works for CAB Criminal Assets Bureau oh brilliant gets to go on raids (laughs) I get to um, I get to kind of you know I I fly um, supposedly on private jets which allegedly CAB do um, over to different countries to try and nab the criminals. So I go over to Belgium and I end up in the Diamond District in Antwerp looking for a money launderer in because apparently nowadays they launder the money in uncut diamonds. So it becomes all of this kind of espionage uh, bordering on a possible terrorist attack. Like it's a big deal. And I've got this great guy uh, that's my kind of co-cop and we kind of been forced to work together and we don't really like each other. And he's, he's you know, Dutch and he, he, he looks fantastic. You love him. He kind of looks like some, a cop show from the 70s. He's He's got a moustache and a shaggy kind of look, perm look, shaggy perm look. So, um, yeah, so that's that. And that's um, Hidden Assets. And it's it's just, um, it's great also to play something completely opposite to Michelle in Deadly Cuts, you know. Yeah. Um, as I said, like I'm on, you know, on one side of the law, you know, slightly trying to keep under the law in Deadly Cuts and on in Hidden Assets, I am the law. Yeah. And I wonder so, then, is, is this the birth of a new genre to replace the Scandi noir? It's like the Kelty noir. Ooh. Well, there, there we go again with the lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're hoping genius, might, Sonia. I am on yeah, fire today. You're on fire, darling. <laughs> and then I said the other day, wouldn't it be amazing because Kin is on at the moment. And yes. I said, well, wouldn't it be amazing that at some point, say, if I go to season two and they go to season two, that my cab person... <gasps> Catches up with them. Oh my God. Oh, brilliant. Wouldn't it? It's like when uh, Rhoda got our spin off for Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And for it's anybody brilliant. who doesn't get that reference, Google it. Oh, just <laughs> is. Uh, we're showing our age here, guys. Yeah. But that's a really, I love that. And you know, when you love shows and they cross into each other. Yeah. That's a really nice idea. I really like be, that. It will be great, you know. So yeah. um, who knows? I'm hoping that people will enjoy it. It's It's got a different edge to it because I shot in um, Antwerp for two and a half months. And then we only uh, shot down on the West Coast in Ennis for a month. So you've got, you haven't got a lot of Ireland in there. You've got mainly the kind of Belgian Dutch kind of end of it, which is great. Um, and of course, we, where would we be without showing the kind of Ireland versus the rest of the world? You know, we have yeah. um, like I fly into you, you see me in my office in Ireland and it's like um, it's got like a few desks and a few chairs, a few computers and a whiteboard. So we write all our crime stuff on the whiteboard. And then I go to Belgium and I'm in this kind of incredible like mission, double, mission impossible room with all these <laughs> flash things up on the wall and, you know, digital stuff. So Angeline, kind of, I have to say, I love that you use the whiteboard to quote unquote, write crime stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, you know, it's very, I think, I'd say maybe they even, they won't, of course, but maybe they should have the diddly idle music anytime (laughs) they have us in the office. And then it goes kind of intrigue in Belgium. That sets up your character, but you're really the one that gets the answers. Don't give away anything. No, but you know what is good about that, harping back to women and stuff, is that, you know, there is no um, sexual story with her. It's not a glamorous role. Um, Half the time, they just fix my hair. I did my hair myself in Belgium, actually. (laughs) 
And it's just up in a ponytail or up in a top notch and off I go searching for the truth kind of thing. That is kind of really reassuring to hear as well, isn't it? That roles are evolving to be about the role and not about sex. Yeah, completely. And uh, I mean, especially the producers, a lot of people had wanted a kiss between myself and the guy, Wouter's character, but um, the producers were absolutely adamant that there wouldn't be. Brilliant. Very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it keeps people on their toes. And also with Emer, I think I played her, especially in Acceptable Risk. Her sexuality was, it was never kind of stated, which is a good thing as well. Be interesting to see what she does. my idea. (laughs) Interesting what she does or who she does. And on that note. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I don't think we should be going down that road now. (laughs) Thank you so much, Angela. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And by the way, guys, I love, love, you know, I love, love, love your beautiful, beautiful clothes. And I can't wait to get next to Dublin I was only in there recently for one night but when I get over there next I'll be in there buying loads of stuff because uh, your stuff is you. stunning thank you thank you so thank much. You so much thank you so much thanks guys thank you so much take care see you, see you in Lucky's honey you got well, it I'll, I'll set it up bye guys thank you so much have a great weekend have a bye thanks bye bye so I have a little bit of a, a weird Girl crush on Angeline, I think she always makes because, you know, she's kind of has the Kylie effect on me because she's so in my adolescent psyche from that movie. And the same with Brona and the same with Maria. They were such a trio of influence on my, they were fab young women doing something sexy, you know, from yeah. Ireland, from Dublin, from where I'm from. Yeah. So I get kind of giddy around her and she's so adorable, isn't she? She's divine. She's divine. Yeah. I love the navy of her wall. Did you notice that color? I didn't stop that. <laughs> Can you tell I'm renovating a house at the moment? <laughs> uh, it's, no. I'm, always, I'm always fascinated to step back and let two women who have teenagers talk about that. Well, I could have spoken. Now, you know, because you 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 both said to me, you know, Sonia's mother has dementia as well, you know, and there is that sense of, you know, why didn't you tell her your mom has dementia? Um, and I didn't because it, it, I think we walk a fine line on this podcast. Inter- I, I certainly wouldn't want to hijack Angeline's story. And it was Angeline's story that we were there to hear. But yeah, you do. When somebody says that it is like a kind of a badge of honor sort of. Uh, camaraderie that yeah I know what you're going through I think that's really important as well it makes people feel I suppose understood and he- and heard and that's really important as well uh yeah no it's it's um you can definitely relate when you hear somebody's in the same boat with that um and I, I'd love to hear the song actually that's what I should have asked is send me over the link to the song and I'll play it for my mom who loves a good tune Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's there. I think it's on YouTube actually. She put the there she's put them out. But um I find her uh s- supremely charming and uh there's a kind of a goodness that comes out of her, which is lovely to be to be around, isn't there? Well, frankly, I want to go to Lucky's with all of us and you know, have a good few drinks and uh I'm in. Yeah, I, let's Why do it. Where you meet Michelle from the, the Glamour Pit? Oh, I'm so in. Oh, she's we can, fabulous. We can all get shellacked in the glamour pit and then get locked. So, so is it to be fa- it's facing locked. Yeah. It's facing lucky's, right? And it's so funny. So we it started raining. So we came in and sat inside. So we're sitting looking at the front window and this, these two girls sit beside us and they're all Saturday night glammed up. And they're like, recognize me. Hey, hey, say, hey, hey. And we brought a few drinks and then the chat, chat, night, chat, chat, chat. That's your dog, so dark. And I was, then the chat started. And she was like, that's mine. 
I was like looking at the wall. What's yours? Hilarious. The glamour thing. I was like, stop it. Yeah, it was amazing. And we had really good laugh because I suppose I grew up in that kind of environment in the hairdressing salon. And it is, there's a real, it's all based on humour and glamour, right? So it's all about making women feel good, but a lot of gossip, but fundamentally it's about having a laugh, you know, a group of people together. So it's really very nostalgic for me as well. I think that's why I really liked the movie as well so much. I have to go and see it. Oh yeah, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. You really will. It's great fun. I might. And I, and that's this. another thing. Just to have you ever gone to the movies on your by yourself? I'm trying to think. I'm not sure. I have. Esther has. Esther's nodding. Esther, have you? Well, you're a modern young woman. You're you're not allowed into the club if you haven't gone to the movies by yourself. Absolutely. I go in there at my Financial Times and I'm saying, I'm here to watch a film. A ticket for one, please. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and then an independent I get to see woman. In the queue, right? Topic. I said ticket for one. That's <laughs> right. While you're smoking a pipe. <laughs> Taking a photo for Instagram, being like, independent oh, yeah. woman alert. Oh, God, I did Instagram it, actually. You did? I yeah, but did. you were promoting the movie. You're helping. You shipped right. so many tickets, Brendan. You don't know what you did the other day. I know Thomas TKB as well, and I'm mad about him. And he is always playing real tough fellas in movies. You know, he's always playing. He plays like, in Kenny, plays like a gangster. In this, he's a big camp Gorgeous. He's the he's the receptionist at the yeah. You know, he's got a and it's really fun. So it's great to see him play some something completely different as well. And it's very Brilliant. funny. Yeah. Brilliant. And cut. That's a wrap on Angeline Ball. Thank you.